0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. You may notice that quite a few seats are empty this morning, and that's okay. There's quite a few people joining us online today, and we're so glad to have this medium where we can connect with you. There's quite a bit of COVID that has run through our church, people that have it, people that have been touched by it or exposed to it, and so... Uh, those of you that are at home watching, thank you for staying at home and, uh, and watching online. Uh, but uh, for those of you that are here, man, we're really glad that you're here. And for those of you that are sick, know that we are praying for you, praying God's healing for you, and that you recover quickly and well. A couple things I want to share with you uh, before we jump into today's message as we continue week two of the best year ever. Uh, first thing is, is that since we've been in this space, we've been very thankful to have this little table out here that has been an activity station for our kiddos, but starting next Sunday, we're actually going to have uh, a, a, a space with walls for our kids, and so, uh, so kids' ministry is starting. Now, hear me out, okay? Hear me out. First, first you need to know this, that we're going to go in stages here, so the first thing we did was we prepped this freezer right here. It's going to be really cool. Your kids are going to love it. Wow! <laughs> ah! Uh, that's the first phase, and then within the next four weeks, we intend to be in this big open space for your kids uh, while we work through the process, because uh, we just met with our general contractor this week and uh, got the estimates from the architect, and so there's, we're, there's potentially, just so you know a timeline here, there's three to four months before we can even do any major renovations, ripping walls down removing the freezers and things like that. And so we've decided that in, we want to have kids ministry, that your kids deserve a space, and we want to be able to love them and serve them and get them connected with, uh, in a relationship with God as well. And so we're going to make a temporary space back here in this big open area. So, so start in the freezer there, and that section, and it's all been made safe, and your kids are going to have a great time. And then uh, following uh, a few weeks later, we'll have this big space open. So very, very excited about that. That'll be for all walkers all walkers up to age, is it sixth grade? Fifth grade, fifth grade, there you go. So, uh, and then we even will have a fussy baby room as well for mom and dads or aunts and uncles or anybody who wants to take a fussy baby in there, or if you just need to go in there and cry, that's fine too, but it's a cry room all the same. Uh, and so we'll have those available next Sunday for you, which we're very excited about because uh, while we love our kids, uh, that's, that's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot, right? It's a lot to try to stay focused, and so you guys have done really well. Thank you for your patience. Uh, and all that. Also, student ministry starts back up next Sunday as well. So 7 p.m. right here in our building. Uh, That is sixth grade and above. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Sixth grade to 18 years old or or through graduation of a senior will be here. So we're very excited about those two things. Isn't that exciting stuff, guys? That's exciting for our kids, our students, man. love our, our student ministries and our kids' ministries. So all right. Well, let's jump into what we're doing today. We're we're picking up uh, where we left off last week in the series called "Best Year Ever," and we believe here at Simple Church that if you're going to have the best year ever, that it needs to be your best year spiritually, right? And 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 as part of that, I feel like to have your the best year spiritually, you're going to have to learn to stand for some things. You're going to have to learn to stand in God's best for your life, and and standing in God's best for your life is 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 oftentimes countercultural cultural that, that standing for God means that you're not going to bow to the world and to culture and what it wants for you, that, that there's going to be a difference in the way that you live your life. And it's important that we learn to stand this year. And so our key verse for this series is Ephesians 6 verses 11 through 14. It says, put on all the armor that God supplies. So you need to know that God's got some armor for you. And, and you need to put it on, Paul says, okay? So he says, in this way, if you'll do that, you can stand against the devil's strategies. If you didn't know, there's an enemy to your life. He's a spiritual enemy, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his only job. That's his only role in this world, and he's to steal, kill, and destroy your life. That, that's it. He'll do that. He's got some strategies and some plans for your marriage, for your relationships, for your finances, for your kids, for every area of your life, the enemy has strategies. And if we're not wearing our armor, then his strategies can succeed. We need to be aware that he is at work ever so subtly. You say, man, if the, if the enemy was doing it overtly, like if, we, if his strategies were out there and plain as day, I don't think as many of us would be fooled. He's subtle in his approach and the way that he's trying to destroy our lives, in fact, it goes on in verse 12 and says, this is not a wrestling match against a human opponent. And some of you are like, I beg to differ. Thanksgiving and Christmas was pretty rough, and it was all due to humans, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and so, but, but the Bible says that it's not about humans. It, it's, that's not where our wrestling match is. Our wrestling match is what's happening in the unseen spiritual realm that's impacting the physical realm. He said, we're not wrestling against human, a human opponent. We're wrestling with rulers, authorities, the powers who govern this world of darkness and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. That's the spiritual realm. He said, for this reason, and again, he's repeating himself. When the Bible starts repeating itself, pay attention, take up all the armor that God supplies, then you'll be able to take a stand during these evil days. And guys, if you don't believe that we're in the evil days you need to go to your Bible. You need to go to Matthew when Jesus is talking about the end days and look in Daniel when he's talking about the, the last days and Paul in, in, in Timothy 3 when he's talking about the last days. Like everybody that has taken time to describe what the last days will look like, they say it looks like this, they, 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 that, that evil would abound uh, and all the ways that it would, that it would abound, it, it looks like this. He said, and once you have overcome all obstacles, you'll be able to stand your ground. So then, take your stand. So last week, we talked about, it, there's a need for us to take a stand, especially against culture. That culture longs for us and craves for us to bow to their whims, to bow to their ways. They claim to have the answer. They claim to be right. And unfortunately, a lot of us as Christians, I think we've adopted a policy where we're gonna bow now so that we can stand later, but I'm here to tell you that the moment you bow, game over. the game is over. Culture will tell you that bowing is the most loving thing that you can do. And so they, they say, well, if you bow now, you'll love someone else well. Bowing is representative of compromising what God's word says. And so they call us to bow. And really, I believe that standing is the most loving thing that you can do. Because if you're going to make a difference in somebody's life, you have to be different. You have to be different. So we have to stand for what God's word says, refuse to bow to culture, or like in our story that we looked at last week, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was a tyrannical government or an authority that was telling them bow or else, compromise your faith values or else. No matter what, we have to make a decision that we are going to bow, and I don't just mean physically bow, I mean rearrange our lives, change our values in our belief system, we are going to bow only to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus. We have to make that decision. So last week, we talked about the benefits of standing. If you missed that message, please go back and take a listen to it. You'll learn the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how they were stand-up guys in a bow-down world. But the question is, and kind of why I want to revisit their story, is how did they do that? how did they have the fortitude? How did they have the strength to stand? And there's some things I want to expand on this week and to help you stand and to have the best year ever. So we're going to go back to the story uh, in Daniel 3, and it's uh, verses 16 through 17. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, pause just at this moment to catch you up if you missed last week. Uh, There was an order given that, that when music played in Babylon that Everybody was going to bow to, in this new religion to this statue that looked like Nebuchadnezzar the king. And uh, the Jewish kids, these boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they decided they were not going to bow. And, and so uh, a bunch of Karens told on them, went to the king, and said, hey, they, they didn't bow. And so the king brought them, brought them forward because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were recognized. They were respected in their community. They gave him a benefit of a doubt, and he re-explains it. Hey, when, when the music plays, you're just going to bow. We're all doing it. It's no big deal. Sound familiar? We're all doing it. It's, it's no big deal. And so he, he, they said to him in response to that, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, because it was bow or burn, that was the call. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Man, that's some confidence, Right? That's the confidence that I need you to have. As your pastor, I long for you to have that kind of confidence, that in the face of culture, when the world calls for you to bow, that you'll have some confidence that God is able and he's willing to deliver you from the fire, to deliver you from the uh, cancel culture, to deliver you from whatever may come because you refuse to bow. He says you need to take a stand because culture is waiting to pounce, we need to believe God is able and that he is willing to deliver us from the fires of culture in the world. Now I think today, sadly, we have a whole lot of Christians who can believe God is able and willing for everyone else. Oh yeah, I believe God's able to heal you. I believe he's willing. I believe God is able to to heal your marriage and restore your relationships. I believe God's able and he's willing to do that. I'll pray that for you all day long. But when it comes to me, I disqualify myself. Well, God is able, but I'm not so sure he's willing just for me. But I, I need you to know that God is not only able, but he's willing for you as well. And that actually, I believe God moving on your behalf, being able and being willing is part of the Christian experience that everybody needs to have. It's one of those spiritual encounters with God that the Christian life is all about. Let me show it to you. Romans 6.23 says this, and this is part of what's known as the Roman road uh, to salvation, that when you're sharing your faith with somebody, so this verse may be familiar to you, but let me break it down a little bit for you, for those of you who may not be familiar with it. It says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, sin has consequences. That sin is missing God's best for your life. And when you step over that line, when you cross the line of God's best for you, and you start doing things your own way or doing things the world's way, there's consequences that come along with that. In fact, there's a price tag to it. And the Bible says that that price tag is death. And, and it's not just about a physical death, right? Because there is a physical death to come. The Bible says that, that there's appointed one day for all of us to die. There is a physical death, but this death is a separation. It's a separation from a right relationship with God. It's a separation from right relationship with others and even with yourself. Sin separates. Now, the Bible says that sin might be fun for a season, and it is. We can all attest to fun seasons that we had in our lives doing things our way. But ultimately, if we continue down that path, we're going to wind up in a death situation where something is going to die. die uh, death to an opportunity, death to favor, death to a relationship, death to our our mental health, death to our marriage. I have no idea how it will present itself, but death or but sin always leads in death and separation. And this separation that can happen, that can happen here on this earth also ends, not only, or not only leads to hell here on earth, but it leads to hell in eternity. The truth today is that if you decide to carry the weight of your own sins, to refuse to let Jesus pay the price for them. That, the, that there is hell to pay. That's literally the payment. It's eternal separation from God. Because someday you're going to slip from this life. Someday you're going to slip into eternity. And the decision you make on what to do with Jesus, whether you allow him to pay the price for your sins and you accept that or not, determines that outcome. Determines whether you're going to pay or have hell to pay or allow Jesus to pay it yourself Say, Aaron, are you serious? Today, of all days, I've been in, been praying for my friend for two years to get him to church, and I bring them. They finally come to church today, and you're talking hell, hellfire, and brimstone. <laughs> I get you, but I promise you, because I grew up on those kind of messages, where where man, every Sunday was you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, and there was never any real good news about that. <laughs> It was just that, hey, we're, we're sinners in the hands of an angry God kind of thing. Anybody relate? You know what I'm talking about? So I'm not just here to tell you that, yes, there's hell to pay. There's good news. There's good news. And the good news is that Jesus paid that price. The, the, go back to that verse, and it says, the wages of sin is death. So the, the, the payment you have to pay for sinning is, is eternal separation from God, if you insist on paying for yourself with your, with your life. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life, In Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know if you've ever been given a gift before that was something that you couldn't afford, or maybe it was something you couldn't find. Like PlayStation 5s were really hard to come by when they first came out, right? They were so expensive, they were were rare to find, and then if you could find one, it's somebody who found one and is now price gouging you, you were paying double for it, right? Anybody get a gift like that, that in that season there was something that was an ungettable thing or something that was way beyond your price tag and somebody gave it to you as a gift? Has anybody ever experienced that before? That's the gift of salvation because we couldn't earn it. We, we couldn't pay for our sins ourselves and be redeemed. We, we couldn't, we're not worthy of it. We don't deserve it. Couldn't buy it. Couldn't do enough good stuff to be saved. It's not, it is a free gift of God that he gives us in his son Jesus. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gift that God gives us, and he offers us eternal life instead of eternal death. We can spend our life here on this earth and eternity knowing and enjoying God. Now, I got to tell you, I like a fire as much as the next guy, right? Anything's on fire, I want to see it burn. I like stuff that melts and I dislike stuff that doesn't melt. You know what I'm saying? Underneath a fire. I like it. In fact, let me help you. Ladies, if you have been looking to meet a guy and have been struggling to meet a guy, go light a dumpster on fire and just stand by it because guys are going to come from everywhere to go, why is that thing on fire? It is bad advice. It's terrible advice. But. <laughs> but I can also tell you what happened in the Bible because Moses, or not Moses, uh, yeah, Moses Moses got called into ministry because he saw a bush on fire that didn't burn up. You know what I'm saying? So there's some truth to it. I like a fire as much as anybody else. But I don't want to get burned by a fire. I don't want to spend eternity burning, even if, even if heaven is that we all turn into naked babies and float around with harps. That still sounds better to me, which it's not. That's not what heaven's about, by the way. But even if it is, that still sounds better to me than than eternal, unredeemable, total separation from God. Doesn't that sound better? So the wages of sin is separation from God. This is eternal death. But the gift of God is found in Jesus. It's eternal life. You say, well, Aaron, how do I obtain eternal life? That's the great question right there. Jesus tells us in John 17, 3, how. He says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life that they know you. In this conversation, Jesus is talking to his heavenly father. Eternal life is, is knowing God. It's one of the most important things we believe that God has for you, is that you can know God. That's where eternal life is found. And this word here that is written, it's written in the Greek, it's translated to know, it's the word genosko, and it means to know experientially. That you can have experiences with God, you can have encounters with him that will help you know him. And therefore, you can experience that eternal life. You can experience the the full and fulfilled life Jesus said that you could have. You can experience a level of trust and a level of confidence that when the world calls us to bow, we can stand. You can experience that simply by knowing God. You say, knowing God how? Experiencing what? Experiencing his faithfulness? experiencing his provision, experiencing his grace, his mercy, experiencing his strength, his healing, his comfort, his power, and more. You can experience all of this. And this is all just a gift. What a gift God has given us in Christ. Every experience we have with him helps us to know him better and leads to experiencing life eternal here on this earth and in eternity. You know, the Bible is full of stories of people that experience the relationship with God. And those stories are not there so that we can have knowledge of God. They're there so that we can be encouraged that we too, because God is no respecter of person, that if he did it for someone else, he can do it for us. We, it, their stories are there to encourage us that we can have a relationship with God too in the same way that they did. I fear that if we don't know him, that when culture calls, When we are pressured, we'll bow. And I think that those that are going to stand are going to do so because they have experiences, encounters, they know God. Now here's the problem. Romans 121 says this. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So I think there's a possibility that that we have at some point in time known God. We've had experiences with him. We've been on a spiritual journey. And at some point in time, we got off that spiritual journey. At some point in time, we stopped giving attention to ex- our experiences with God. That at some point in time, we can say, yeah, I knew God, but I stopped worshiping him. Worship, by the way, is, is, is not just about singing or saying, I love you. Jesus said, said that if you love me, you'll obey me. That there are experiences we can have. That, that we can say, I love you, but... If you love him, you'll express that through reprioritizing your life to match his priorities for your life. This is worship. This is worship. He said, so they, they, they used to know him, but they stopped organizing their life around him. They wouldn't even thank him for the good stuff they had anymore. They wouldn't even give him credit for waking up and having breath in their bodies. They wouldn't give him credit for the job they had. They wouldn't give him credit for the strength of their marriage. They wouldn't give him credit for anything anymore. And as a result, check it out. He said, and they began, because they went the opposite direction, they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and, and confused. In other words, they started taking an intellectual approach to God instead of a relational, experiential approach to it. That, well, we'll know God through our rules and our traditions. We create religion. We create to-do lists. And it's crushing to us. And it's nothing like anything God intended for our lives. We also start to create God in our own image, don't we? We find that we start compromising what Scripture says for our lives. We say, well, you know... I feel like this is gonna be okay because somebody that I love is, is doing something contrary to scripture. And, and you know what? I really don't think God is, is mean and hateful. The Bible says that he's love and you know, a loving God wouldn't let anybody go to hell. And so we start justifying. We start compromising. We start bending and bowing to what culture is saying about God instead of what God's word has to say about him. We give permission to culture to begin to manipulate our thoughts. And the Bible says our minds become dark and confused. This is a steady decline from God's plan for our life. If you continue on reading that chapter in Romans 1, it continues to say that if you go down this path, that, that God turns you over to a reprobate mind. In other words, he gets out of the way and says, you want that so bad? This is what comes with it. And he says there's lust, there's greed, and there's all kinds of sin that come along with a refusal to worship, a refusal to give him thanks. We used to know him, and now we're just living out religion. The truth be told, it's easy for this to happen to any and all of us, for us to drift a little bit, right? It's, it's easy for it to happen to me. To slip from experiencing God the way that I should to just a, a, um, an intellectual approach. But Romans reminds us that the real life we're looking for is found in that experiential re- approach that we are to know God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow because they had an experience with God as he intended. Their experiences with him allowed them to know him, to know that the fire was imminent, but God was able and that he was willing to rescue them. And I want this for your spiritual journey. I want you to have that kind of confidence. I want you to know him through experiencing him. You say, Aaron, how do we do that? How what do those experiences look like? I'm so glad that you ask and that you're here. Here we go. We're going to finish our time up in Hebrews 10, and I'm going to move through them as quick as I can, because these, the rest of Hebrews 10 deals with how we experience God. And uh, it starts off with, ultimately, that, that chapter starts off with addressing something that was called animal sacrifice, that in the Old Testament, they didn't have Jesus yet. And so God instituted a plan of animal sacrifice, that an animal would be sacrificed to cover The sins of the people, so that God could dwell with them, that His Spirit could dwell with them in the tabernacle and and in the temple. He said, "I'm I'm going to. There's a way. It's not a great way, but the but animal sacrifice will work. But it's insufficient because all it does is cover it. It's kind of like behavior modification, right? Somebody comes to church and they don't really meet Jesus, but we give them a bunch of rules and we say, if you do these things, then you'll look like a Christian." And, you know, if you walk like a duck, quack like a duck, then you must be a duck. But that's just not the case, right? It's an outward in kind of approach. And that's just not how God works. That's not how he deals with us. That is what religion does. It's behavior modification, but no real heart change. But Hebrews 10 tells us that God had a better plan, that the animal sacrifice was done away with when Jesus came. And that plan was not behavior modification. That plan was to have our hearts changed. And when our hearts are transformed, our behaviors will change as a result won't have to work on it. It'll just happen. You'll be willing to. So Hebrews 10.10 10 says this, for God's will was for us to be made holy, so, so set apart, set right, made pure, to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. That, that Jesus giving his life, it was good enough that it was just once. He was perfect. He didn't need to keep on dying. That he could die once for all of humanity for all time for all sins. He did that for us. He paid the price for our sins. And if you have not yet accepted that, I'll give you an opportunity at the end of today's message. You can have a chance to accept what Jesus did for you. But if we do accept that, we can have an experience with God that changes us from the inside out. Our very nature and hearts get transformed. Look at verse 19. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, because of what Jesus did for us, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain to the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, he's talking about Jesus, who rules over God's house. And what they're getting ready to do is they're getting ready to give us some ways to live our lives here. Getting ready to give you some instructions for how you are to experience God. Because of what Jesus did, he paves a way for us to be transformed by experiencing God. And there's four experiences that the rest of this chapter points out. There are four lettuces. What I'm, I'm not saying lettuce, like as in like a salad. I mean like they're, they're let us, okay? They're let us is. So here it goes. Verse 22, let us, because of this, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So the first thing you need to experience, if you're gonna have this trusting relationship with God, you're gonna have these encounters with him. The first thing that you need to experience is God's presence. If you're taking notes, that's number one, experiencing God's presence. You know, every encounter in the Bible uh, with, a hum- with humanity and God always led to humans laying face down on the ground, worshiping God, saying, I'm undone, I'm dirty, I'm, I'm, my mouth is unclean, I'm, I'm a sinful person. Every person who encountered the presence of God, that happened to them, boom, hit the ground. Because there's a realization, there was something that happened when you get into the presence of a very holy God, a very pure God, what happens is, is we recognize how very pure and unholy we actually, or how impure, impure, yeah, I talk for a living, impure and unholy we are. We realize how dirty we are in comparison to him. And it becomes very obvious to us as we are in his presence. In fact, I would say it's even something that you can feel. Some of you may have even felt that today as you walked into the space. Maybe some of you, you're coming to the church for the first time or you're tuning in or you've got plans to come in the next few weeks and and you're like, man, I, I don't want lightning to hit me. First of all, that's never gonna happen. But maybe you're feeling the weight of your sin as you step into a space where you know the presence of God is. And the Bible tells us we don't have to we don't have to stay away from him, that we should run to him, that we should go to him, turn to him in those moments, that when we're feeling our sin, sinfulness, that that's the time we can turn to God. You know, the devil tries to use your sinfulness to disqualify you. Right, He tries to use that to keep you out of God's presence. Well, I've done too much. I'm, I'm a bad person. I, I've, I've, I've gone too far. And, and, and the enemy tries to get you convinced that you don't belong because of what you've done. But that's just a big, fat lie. God's grace is greater. And Jesus paid a price to cover any and all of your sins. Because of this, Hebrews 4 says this, So let us boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Do you know you need need God's grace? When you're at your worst. You need God's grace then. When you done messed up, eh, Ron? It's time to turn and run to your heavenly father. It's not time to run away from him. It's not time to live in separation from him. You need him most in that time. The most beautiful thing about this is that I think that we look at God like we look at each other. And when we mess up and we offend or we hurt each other, we're scared to step in because we're afraid of loss, we're afraid of what's gonna happen, we're afraid of of the consequences. But God says that in his word that if we'll come to him and confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive. We're faithful to sin, he's faithful to let us off the hook. If we come to him, no addiction is too great, no sin is too big, there's no mistake that you have ever made that God's grace can't overcome. God will forgive us. Now back to Romans 1.21. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. This is that verse I read earlier. So if we're to experience God's presence, what, what's the opposite of that? Well, it's worship. The opposite of that is to actually be in Worship. And again, that's not just about singing songs. That's about expressions of love. It's about lining our priorities up with God's priorities for our lives, his priorities for our marriage, his priorities for our thought life, his priorities for our careers, his priorities for our time, our talent, our treasure, for every area of our life. Worship is saying, God, your ways are best, and I'm gonna be in alignment with those. This is worship. It's how we can experience the presence of God in our lives. Worship gives him the place in our hearts that he's supposed to have in the first place. Worship will keep you from drifting. Worship makes sure that he's as big as he ought to be in your heart, in your mind. Worship makes him bigger than your circumstances. Worship puts God in his right place and us in ours. But there's something else we're going to worship, and then it says to be thankful, that they wouldn't worship and they wouldn't be thankful. They wouldn't give him thanks. And I'm going to tell you that Thanksgiving is a great way to usher yourself right in to the presence of God. You'd say be thankful for what? Anything and everything. You can look, if you can't look around the room and find something to be thankful for, let's have a conversation Because every person I look at, I am thankful for. Every chair in this room, I am thankful for. These lights that are hung, somebody did that. And I'm thankful for those people. And I'm thankful for the lights. I'm thankful for the internet and the laptop and the tech. And I'm thankful for the carpet. I'm thankful for this building. Come on, somebody. Just, Just use your eyes and look around. I'm thankful. What is it you're touching? What is it you're wearing? If you're wearing clothes, be thankful you're wearing clothes. We're all thankful for that too. Thankful for coffee. Bless the Lord. Thankful for coffee. Thankful for good coffee, right? Psalms 104 tells us this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. You want to step in front of him. Man, just start being thankful. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We can experience his presence through worship and thanksgiving. That's why we do 21 days of prayer, by the way because we realize the holidays come along and they kind of, they, they kind of throw some, some chaos into our normal rhythms and our normal habits. And we do 21 days of prayer and fasting because we wanna prioritize our relationships with God. And it takes 21 days to form a habit. And so we, we're trying to help you. And so that's why we have daily prayer sessions online, 7 a.m. on Facebook. We're, we've got pastors that are, are sharing a devo and a time of prayer with you and a word of encouragement. And then on Saturday mornings during the 21 days, which by the way, we start week two right now, If you didn't know we were doing it, you can join us. You can join in and just have 14 days of prayer and fasting, and that'd be for you, right? But but we have prayer on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. You can join us to be part of, experience the presence of God. Worship and thanksgiving. The second lettuce here in Hebrews is, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Man, there's that word trust again. I love that. You know, Jesus changed the game so that we can experience God's presence. So, in times of difficulty, we can have hope in Him and hold firm. You say, To what? But to God's promises. That's the second thing we can experience. We need to experience God's promises. God's promises are true, God's promises will never change. And God's promises are found in His written will. We call it the Bible. His promises are found there. That's why you need to know it. And that's why, by the way, I'm also going to recommend that if you're reading your Bible, that you start reading a paper Bible. If you don't have a paper Bible, we have them for free at the Connect Center. They're already paid for. Just go ahead and stop by and grab one on your way out. If we run out, I'll have more for you next Sunday. But I think it's important that you have a paper Bible because the, the, God's word says that we should take his promises, we should take his word, and we should hide it in our hearts. Psychology today tells us that, or, or it's like I think you believe it's psychology today, tells us that when you're holding a book and you're reading it, that your level of retention is way higher than if you're reading it on a screen or on your phone. So if you really want the best way to hide God's word in your heart, get a paper Bible. That's me on my soapbox, right? I read from a paper Bible every day, unless I can help it, or uh, for every, every opportunity I can help it. I'm, I'm in a paper Bible Because I believe that you need to have one. Your brain will thank you because you'll be able to recall those verses and God's promises better. You'll have them hidden in your heart. And it's important that you do. Do you know why? Because that book is alive. God's word is alive. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. So understanding, is this just me? Is this bad pizza from last night? Or is this God speaking? It'll help you understand that. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. You know, reading your Bible will help you understand whether whether something that's going on is just you or whether it's God. It brings clarity. Also, you need to know that when you read your Bible, the Bible reads you. When you read the Bible, it reads you. It will convict you. It will lead you to experience God in a deeper level. It will point to a right way that may be in direct opposition to the way that you are living your life, and it will make it clear God's best for your life. The good news is, is God's word is just as relevant as it was yesterday. It'll be just as relevant tomorrow. It's relevant for today. It will speak to your life. You want to have the best year ever? Learn to stand. We will stand when we experience God's presence. We'll stand when we experience his promises. Then here's the third lettuce. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now, this is our response now to, to experiencing God's presence it's into experiencing uh, God's promises and it, through what Jesus has done. This is now our response, that we live our life and we begin to experience God's purpose. Number three, that's the third lettuce. Let's experience God's purpose for our lives. God has a plan and purpose for your life, and it isn't just so that you sit around in your prayer closet praying and singing songs, reading the Bible, and maybe becoming so spiritual that you start to levitate. God's plan is not for you to go sit in a monastery and be spiritual all the time. In fact, the most spiritual experiences you can have is not, does not come just from reading your Bible and praying Using your life to serve others and make a difference in your life can be one of the most spiritual experiences that you can ever have. I really believe that. And I think the most spiritual people are out there living their lives for others, making a difference. They're living a transcendent life. They're living a life serving the broken, serving those that are hurting and serving those that are needy. Man, some of my favorite experiences have come Serving others. I I, I remember being down at the Dream Center. And I love going to the Dream Center because of of how they dignify and love those that are underserved and underprivileged. And I love watching as you meet the most basic needs, clothing, uh, blankets, warmth, a meal, conversation, That as you meet basic needs and they find safety and security, that their hearts begin to open and Jesus does a work in them. Some of my favorite nights at the Dream Center is watching people say yes to Jesus and get baptized in water as they fully commit and surrender their lives to Jesus. Man, that's been beautiful experiences. I've loved going on on mission trips, serving communities. One of my favorite stories is from Honduras. We went there, and and my my buddy Jason got up and shared his story of how God set him free from addiction and saved his life, restored his family, and gave him everything that he longed for in this life. God gave it to him and blessed him, and he's up there. He's just sharing his story for 10, 10 minutes or so about how he was, he met Jesus, and how everything changed. And there was one man that was there had been coming to that center, he'd brought three of his daughters over a period of 20 years. And that man had been ministered to. His family had been ministered to. And he had never accepted Jesus. But while we were there that day, one person stood up. One person gave their lives to Jesus. And it was that man. I love stories like that. I love these encounters that come from moments where we choose to live outside of our comfort zone where we choose to live our lives selflessly and we make our lives about others. There are divine encounters that God has for you as well. You can experience him if you choose to serve others with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Jesus said this in Mark eight thirty-five, just kind of confirming what psychology is confirming today. Jesus knew this already. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. If you make this life all about you and about building your kingdom and your castle and doing everything just for you, then, then Jesus said, you're just going to lose your life. He said, but he said, if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. That if you'll organize your life and make it about not just living for yourself but living for others, to make a difference in other people's lives, that's when you'll find the real life that Jesus intended for you, that God has for you. And we believe that here at Simple Church. That's why we have something called Growth Track, which Growth Track is four Sundays where, man, we get you introduced to the culture of our church, help you understand what it looks like to be a member here. We help you understand God's, God's creative purpose and the way he's designed you and the, 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 the design he's given you to make a difference in this world. We help you grow in your leadership and we help you get part of a team that's making a difference right here in this community. And that's four Sundays, and I'm here to tell you we're starting February the first Sunday in February. We're starting Growth Track back in person. This space that you're seeing right back here in the corner is classroom setup that we have uh, set up. It is designed beautifully. There'll be a table there. It'll be right after service, and we can't wait for those of you who have been waiting for Growth Track to start up again. We can't wait to do that with you, but we want to help you understand God's plan and purpose for your life because He has one for you. And only the people who live their lives differently, who live their lives to make a difference, ever get to experience that. In fact, we believe this here at Simple Church, is someone's eternity is waiting on the other side of your obedience. So for the best year ever, as so we stand for our faith, we need to experience God's presence. We need to know and experience his promises. And we need to live out his purpose for our life. And the, finally, the last lettuce is let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that that day of his return is drawing near. You know, every generation thought that Jesus was coming back. Every generation from the moment Jesus Jesus died on the cross, he resurrected three days later, he walked this earth for another 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. From that point on, even his current disciples thought, Jesus is coming back. It's been thousands of years since that happened. And I'm going to tell you, that every generation has thought that. I'm, I'm 42. Oh. <laughs> well, I know. I'll be 43 this week. But I'm 42, and I have lived a life growing up in church. And I was around in 1988 when they had a book that came out, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88. And he didn't. And then there was a book that came out, 89 Reasons Why He's Coming Back in 89. And he didn't. Every generation has really thought that. But this generation, I actually, there's no other prophecies that I know of in the Bible that are yet to be fulfilled. All of them have been fulfilled. You look at what the Bible says the end times will look like. It sure seems like the world's wrapping up to me. I don't know about you all, but when you read the end of the book, which I know is a little scary, this is kind of how it all goes. So I'm watching as things are unfolding. I'm like, yeah, all the signs are there. Jesus could come back any day. I really believe that. I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm just saying that this is kind of what we should expect. We should expect that time is wrapping up. We should expect that our time is short. And if we're to experience all that God has for us, we need to make sure that we experience his presence, his promise, his purpose. But we need to make sure we experience God's people. We need to experience God's people. You know, we need each other. There are over 30 verses in the Bible that describe one another behaviors. It says to to love one another, to serve one another. Like, And without, we can't one another each other without one another. If we're to be obedient to those scriptures, we need to be with each other. The NIV translation of this same verse in Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That, that, That I think maybe... Since the beginning of the pandemic, I think that there's a good possibility a lot of us stayed home for health reasons and concerns, and, and I, th- I th- that was the right call. I mean, we even stopped having in-person services. But we're we're back to having church services now, and I think that there's some of us that are just in the habit of not going to church anymore. We got out of the habit, and now we're in the habit of staying home. And we're, We've gotten back into our habits of going to restaurants and going to public places and and doing public things, but we just haven't got back into the habit of coming back to church. And I I just want to say something just, just for a moment and pastor you a little bit, and I'll even look in the camera and just say that, you know, if you're at home due to health concerns, we love you, we support you, we miss you, we are ready for you to come back, we're thankful for this online experience, but we also know there's nothing like being in the room. And so I would Probably speak for everybody in this room. We look forward to the day that, that we, we see you come back, that, that things normalize and that there isn't a health concern. We love you and support you. But as your pastor, I'm also gonna say that, that if you're not home for health concerns, if you're home out of habit, I have to tell you, I really believe you're missing out on God's best for your life. That I think you're missing out on time here with one another, and I think it's time to come back. I think it's time to get back into a habit and come back to church the truth is, we need you, and I know from, from reading my Bible that you need us. You need us. In your Bible, the church that, that I read about, it gathers. It gathers together for corporate worship, corporate prayer. It gathers together to encourage one another, to fellowship with one another, to serve one another, and to stand together. So if we're looking to have the best year ever, we need to stand. We need to know that God is able and God is willing. And the way we come to know that is by gaining trust through experiencing God through his presence, his promises, his purpose, and his people. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I've done my best with this. I've given given. All I can to it now, Lord, I, I trust that you're going to do what you do. That, that my job is to scatter the seeds. My job is to water them. But it's your job to give the increase. So, God, do what you do. Lord, there's a call for us to, to experience you. To experience your presence through worship. To experience your presence through Thanksgiving to know you intimately and deeply, experientially. God, as we take steps towards you, take steps towards us. Help us to know you. Help us to experience you. Lord, and I pray that as we open your word, that you would help us. Hiding your word in our hearts may be something that's new to us. I certainly know we're a generation that's more distracted than ever. We're gonna need your help. Help us to break through the barriers that keep us from focusing. Help us to break through the barriers that keep us from prioritizing your presence, your promises that we find in your word. As we read your word, help us to understand it. Help us to hide it in our hearts so that in times when the enemy comes, we can stand firm knowing you're with us and knowing that what your word has to say about us but even more than that God help us to live out our purpose which is serving and loving leveraging all we have to make not just an etern- uh, a difference here in this world but an eternal difference in the life that is to come and that means that our focus needs to be people not just ourselves Lord help us to live a life that is beyond us encourage a spur within us, fan to flame that passion that maybe we once had for those that are far from you and for one another. For those of us that are experiencing it for the first time, put in us your love for your church. (laughs) Father, I thank you for this work. Holy Spirit, do what you do. As we continue in this mode of prayer, You know, experiencing God's presence in your life is actually one step before that. And some of you may need to take it, and that's simply to accept what Jesus did for you, to accept the gift that God has. Because like I said before, your sin is what separates us from right relationship with God, with others, and with ourselves. And today, you can have your sins forgiven. You can enter into a right relationship with your Heavenly Father, Nobody said you're going to be perfect, but you're going to begin a spiritual journey where Jesus is going to transform your heart and transform your life from the inside out, where you become a new creature. You get a redo. God takes all of your life, the good and the bad, redeems it, uses it for his purposes, uses it for his plans. You no longer carry the weight of your life yourself. If you're in for that. You want to know, have eternal life, but you want to experience the full and fulfilled life Jesus has for you here on this earth. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. If you want to be counted in on that prayer, nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to make you stand up or come to the front or do anything awkward. But I think that you have a part to play in this process. And I think there's a commitment that you can make. So if you're ready to pray that prayer and join all of us, would you slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm doing that today. I'm making that choice whether it's for the first time or maybe you're just returning. Re-upping, saying, that's me. For those of you that are here with us today and those of you that are online, let's all pray out loud. Nobody needs to pray alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new. Show me how to live for you and tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, as solemn and somber as the music is right now, I need you to know that heaven's literally having a party. They're, they are getting down on their harpsichords and their, their, and their zithers and their flutes, and they're having a party over those of you that said yes to Jesus today. So I want to say congratulations to you, and I want to encourage you that there's another decision you can make today that's the second best decision of the day. And that's to grab a connection card out of the seat back in front of you. Fill it out. Mark a spot that says, I said yes to Jesus today. Maybe even you're new with us today and you want to do that. Take that connection card to the Connect Center. We would love to give you a gift if it's your first time with us or first time filling out a Connect card. Uh, We'd also love to make sure you have a Bible uh, as part of your spiritual journey. Let us love you this way. Also, if you need a Bible, make sure you stop by Connect Center and grab one. They're free for you. Uh, your your tithes and offerings have already paid for them, so please don't feel any guilt about that. Take them. We would love for you to have a printed Bible. Amen, everybody? All right, well, as we wrap up, I want to share with you opportunities to give. Uh, there are ways to do that. First, there's digital ways to do that, which are all on the screen, but there's also a give box in the back of the room. Now, we've recently put up this pipe and drape, and we didn't move the give box, so the give box is kind of, obstructed from view but it's directly right back here the curtains are open and uh, you can use that if you want to give in person use the offering envelopes in the seat backs in front of you uh,